welcome to the Beautiful Life podcast. Speaking on worship and um, freedom, because people often say, oh, dancing this. I, to- I call it freedom because as soon as you say dancing on something, people always get nervous and then say, start thinking about choreography and is my little jig going to look as good as the jig next to me? And what it actually is, what I feel like, in, when you dance in worship, it's not dancing. It's actually just being free and it's actually an offering. And that, that doesn't have to look amazing. Like what, what dad, um, when their little kid comes up to them with a drawing that doesn't look anything like anything, goes, now yeah, that doesn't look anything like a tree in a house. They're like, oh, you said that I've done this. Oh, it's lovely. What is it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's me. Oh, nice. Oh, I see. And then it's upside down. Oh, <laughs> and then you, that just blesses you. I mean, I've got a great picture on my fridge back home that Misty drew me a couple, couple years ago. I think Dad's got a card still in his, um, in his cupboard. My favorite picture. It's his favorite picture. It's a portrait of me, and she's written my name next to B A D. Bad. So Dad, he took his picture. That obviously, I mean, she spelt it wrong, but Dad. And I think that's the that's actually how we approach the Lord when it comes to worship. It's like it doesn't act and to think you have to look like something or do something. You actually misjudge the heart of God. You actually misjudge that. And um, when we come in worship with the Lord and we say, "Hey God, I'm going to worship you with everything. Do it with everything. Don't hold something back from Him. Like, why would you want to do that? And like, what is a good enough reason to do that?" Um, and I think that that sometimes it's just something the enemies put on us to, to keep us back and hold us back. And that not only translates in worship, but it actually translates to the rest of your, of your life of like, I'm gonna, I can't do that because I'm going to look silly. I can't do that because those people are going to classify me as this or they're going to have this opinion on me. They're going to have it. So I'm going to hold myself back. I'm going to hold my walk with God back because of other people's opinion. And um, I've spoken this a little while ago as well. It is just a blanket thing. Fear of man is, it's, it's a dead weight. So, I mean, I literally didn't prepare a whole lot for this at all because I could talk on this for three weeks. So I put, specifically was like, you're not going to put this down. You're going to just read through some things. And then it's my job today to get everyone a little more free. Um, so one thing I did want to say is what we've been feeling. Um, I've been feeling it, and then mom and dad have been feeling it. Everyone's been, uh, people I've been speaking to, we just have this sense, and as soon as you start comparing notes, you're like, oh, you had that too, you had that too, and everyone's got this different piece, that we feel like this next move of God that's, that's coming is going to be ushered in on worship. We, I just have this sense. Like, I'll wait and see, maybe I'm wrong, but I really feel that it's coming in on worship. I've got a strong sense. But um, we have our little young adults, like, um, cell group on a Thursday, and, and just the, God's been on worship, and we've had such breakthrough. And so, so much as I've grown in my life, just seeing what God's been doing, um, and then just talking to individual people and what they've said. In fact, Hyde, don't you want to share that word that you had? Because this it pertains to what I want to say so nicely. So on Thursday, um, I just really felt the Lord giving me this picture of these seven waves that were, um, well, yeah, on the sea, these seven waves that were coming, and they were getting bigger and bigger as they were coming. Um, and it's amazing and definitely feeling like that is good ways. It's a good move of God. 
but I also saw us like surfing in the waves um, and the feeling of like we can't focus on the size of the waves or the riptide or whatever that's pulling, but we need to focus on God and keep our focus on who Jesus is and who he's called us to be because otherwise we're not going to be able to ride the waves and we're going to end up on the shore. Um, yeah, so it's so exciting, but also to just keep that place with the Lord. Exactly, it was this thing of like, it's coming in worship, but like intimacy is the key. Um, Rebecca also had a word on Thursday. She saw it like um, like a horse with those, what do you call them? Blinkers. The little blinkers, blinders. Blinkers. Blinkers, little blinkers. Um, and she had this thing of like, you know, we're going somewhere, we're, we're going somewhere, but keep your focus on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, and those things of intimacy with the Lord, that, it's, that this wave is riding in on worship, but there's this key um, on, on intimacy. And um, if you look at our country, if you look at Africa, I heard this thing that like Africa isn't a place, Africa is a feeling. And it's so cool. Like, I mean, if you look at Africa, we dance when we're angry, you know. <laughs> we, everything is a song and a dance. It's a beat. It's a drum. It's, like, it's such a vibrancy to this place that we get to call home. And that also is something in the kingdom that God created. And it's our unique flavor. And it's a privilege for us to be living here and to actually grasp that and actually run with it and do it. Say, this is us. This is Africa's sound. This is Africa's worship, and we've got something to actually give to the world. We've actually got something unique that the rest of the world needs. Um, So my task today is to get you free, because we've been speaking on fear and what holds us back and all of this stuff and how that's a bit of a dead weight. Um, And I feel like, you know, to enter into worship, we have to be free. We can't have these things that are holding us back. We just have to be. And um, so I'm going to run through a couple things. I'm going to try and be as quick as I can. Um, to get to the end because I want to do some activations um, but I want to briefly talk about why creativity and why just actually some some studies and some reading up that I've done on actually what even scientifically dancing and moving in creativity does so um, in worship you know we sing we dance we feel his presence people paint people do a lot of things that are creative um, and what's interesting about that you have a right brain and a left brain processor your left brain processor is logical, sequential, rational, analytical, objective, organized, verbal. It's rules. It's your timekeeper. It's like, da, 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 da. this is logical. This is what we have to do like this. But then your right brain process is your creative side. And that's your visual, creative, it's pictorial, it's emotional, it's touching and feeling, and it's not sensitive to time, which is why, you know, if you're doing something creative, you often like lose track of time. Or if you're walking in like a beautiful uh, garden in nature, you're often like, wow, you know, I just, I just it was like, I lost track of time because you're in this space. When you're having a really good conversation with a friend, you lose track of time. And your right brain, your creative side, is also it's your relational side. It's the place you actually connect with people, where you feel, where you feel <laughs> love for that person, where you actually connect with someone. It's your creative side. And what's interesting is that um, when you go to school as a, as a child... You know, the foundation phases, they're usually, you know, you're coloring in, you're doing creative things. And then at a point, then they not stop, and they go, and they put a lot of value on your more logical left brain things, which is good, like, that's all good, but there's a hard lack on the other side. Like, you don't push your art and drama and your things as much as you do on this side. For example, like, you go, um, maths, not everyone's going to be a mathematician, but <laughs> you do a heck of a lot of very specific maths. But no one's forced to do art. They're like, ah, but you know, not everyone's good at art. Not everything. I was not so great at math, but I'm still forced to do it. 
<laughs> they were like, it's good for your problem-solving skills. It's good for the development of your brain, which is why I powered through to the end. No one does that with art. No one does that with dancing. They're like, ah, oh, I can't sing. Well, it's fine. It's fine. Sit down. Not everyone is. No one's going to be a professional artist. We're not going to, you don't have to do this. This is an optional extra. And what happens is um, kids go into school and about 90% of kids are actually your right brain creative dominant, 90% of kids, which is also, if you look at all geniuses throughout history, they're right brain thinkers, because a creative thinker can see multiple answers to a problem at once, rather than just one, um, rather than like that sequential, this is the problem, these are the steps, there's a solution. Your genius thinking is a lot of different things. So the kids come in, 90% of them are creative, and then by the time they leave school, 98% of, of kids are left brain dominant. 98% of kids. They've gone a total and more than switch to the other side. And what's interesting about this is that, did you know, you cannot experience God in the left, your process in your left part of your brain. You cannot experience him. You can understand things, but to experience God, to have a relationship with God, you cannot do that in your left brain. And if you are so dominant on one side, it's sometimes difficult to relate to God in that way. Um, uh, there's this quote, and it's, it's, quite, it's quite a strong quote, but I love it. Um, it says, when the left brain becomes dominant, it squeezes out the things of the Spirit of God. The right brain obviously isn't the Spirit of God, but it's the part of the brain that God created to respond to his ways. It's the chimney through which faith is accessed. Um, it's Basically, it's your experience versus understanding. So um, like, let's just look at the fruit of the Spirit. Let's take peace. Your left brain, it can understand peace, can understand what it is and how that would work. But it's your right, the right processor that will um, experience peace and feel it and actually do what the Bible says. It says um, it's the peace that surpasses understanding. So you experience the fruit of the Spirit. You experience God. You have that relationship with God. It's actually in your right brain processor. And how you develop that is by doing creative things, by dancing, by singing, by worshipping, by walking in nature, by being with people, by doing something creative. So, and you can actually, just as much as you train one side of your brain, you can train the other side. So just because, you know, you know someone will leave school night, it doesn't mean that they stay, they can stay that way. As soon as you start doing other things and you start being intentional about doing something creative in that way, the more you actually get more and more right brain strong. This is something another thought that I had. It's like, how many of you woke up this morning and like audibly heard a voice from heaven saying, Thus saith the Lord, <laughs> I love you, whatever. No, you, I mean, that'd be great. Don't get me wrong, I'd love that. But most of the time, like now in worship, you felt the presence of God. You felt it. Um, and um, that, that feeling, also, you're processing in the right, your right side of the brain. You felt it. Um, and um, I was thinking, like, how many, um, you know, if you go up to a stranger and you say, Jesus loves you, that's going to have a measure of effect. They're going to understand what you're saying. They're going to, okay, they're obviously a Christian. Cool. Maybe they are Christian. Okay, thank you. But what more of an impact would it make if you went up to someone and they felt the love of God? It would be exponentially more impactful if you went up to them and they were like, wow, I can feel the love of God. So, I, we had a classic example of this a couple of year, uh, years ago. We were at a wedding, and there was a young girl there from East Germany. She'd grown up a communist, and she'd never been to church. 
And I debated with her about communism and Christianity for quite a while. And I wasn't really getting anywhere until I said to her, have you ever felt God? And she said, what do you mean? I said, have you ever uh, felt God's presence? She said, I don't know. I said, would you like to? And um, she, she said, yes, she would. And so um, I got Debs to actually come and, and lay hands on her. And Debbie laid hands on her and just said, Holy Spirit, would you just come and touch her now? I can't remember exactly what you prayed, but a very short prayer. And the presence of God just descended on this young lady at the wedding rehearsal. It was a longer story associated with this. It was quite funny. I haven't got time now. But immediately Debbie prayed. Just tears just started pouring out of eyes. She was just bawling. And she turned to Debbie after a couple of minutes and she said, Wow, what was that? That was better than sex. <laughs> and Debbie, and I was very proud of her, she just looked at her and said, Yes, you were created for intimacy with God. And yeah, so it was a really powerful moment. She couldn't understand it, but she experienced it and received it. And it's, it's feeling, like it's being connected with God. If you want a relationship with God, you know, that's, that's what's also going to then fuel your understanding and fuel your need to actually understand God more. But, um, you know, it's actually your, that right brain, pro, that's supposed to serve the left side of your brain. It's supposed to be like, this is my God. I love God. So I'm going to try and figure out as much as I can about him. I want to work out everything about him. I mean, um, I remember growing up, teenage girls, and then, you know, there'll be, there'll be some girl in the friendship, and then there's this boy that she really likes. And then, let me tell you, the other girls would be there like, okay, well, what's his name? And then like, what's his Instagram? And where does he go to school? And all of a sudden, as soon as you like this person, they want to find out everything that they want about this person. I mean, look at like a celebrity. That person, oh, they've got such love for the celebrity, and they know everything about that person. Um, and at the same time, with that, I remember um, having this, this thought of, Let's say you have a number one fan of someone and they know everything. They might, there's, they know their birthday, they know their favorite drink, they know this, they know this, they know all of these things. I mean, to be honest, sometimes I think that these super fans know more about the person than the person actually remembers about themselves, let's be honest. Um, and that super fan might know everything about that person, but they might know more than, say, the wife of that celebrity. But I'll guarantee you the super fan will switch places with the, the wife of that person like this. <laughs> because there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Yeah. And it's like it's a big, big difference. Um, so when the left brain is the leader and the dominant side, so when your logical thing is, is the dominant side, um, it logically rules out the supernatural. Because it's not possible, right? You've been taught that. It's not possible. Someone's got a leg amputated from the knee down. Can you see that? Your left brain is not going to be like, pray for them, it might shoot out. You know, it's going to be like, nah, that's ridiculous. So it logically rules out the supernatural. It has a theoretical grid for the supernatural, but no experiential grid by which to process it. But the reality is we were, we were born and we were created to believe in the impossible. We are created to believe in the impossible. Yeah. And so you have to be that right brain strong so that you can look at a situation and go... I see the facts, but I also see God, and I know who he is, and I know him. Um, and um, I feel like the resistance that you feel, that everyone feels to doing something creative, 
like moving, like dancing, there is a barrier. And I'll tell you now, like I was a professional dancer and it's still there for me. <laughs> so if you're thinking to yourself that one day when you're a better dancer, if you're this, if you're this, if you're this, that barrier is going to go away. It's not <laughs> because it's not about you. That's a barrier that I believe the enemy has put there, that it's a strategic ploy of the enemy to prevent us from our, um, to prevent as access to our greatest place of power and that is connection with God. It's a barrier that he's put there regardless and he'll tell you it's you, it's your talent, it's all lack thereof or this, that, and the next thing. He'll tell you that it's on you, it's not. And I can tell you that because it's right there in front of me um, and I've had to make a choice to actually step over it and just go for it anyway. Um, it's no coincidence that, you know, when you prophesy and you're talking about God to people, you use terms like, I see, I feel, I sense. You say, I sense God saying this. I feel like God saying All of those words, sensing, feeling, sen you know, um, seeing things like that. That's, it's creative. It's also you're in your right brain processing. Um, and um, I love that. I mean, we've told this story so many times, but what I love about that story of David when he was being undignified in, in the front there, was for me, I looked at that and you read the story and I just am like, David recognized the moment because we get to experience God like this every single day. But for them, the presence of God was on the ark and it was being brought into Jerusalem. And it was like the presence of God could be with them again. And this maybe was the only time there would be some Israelites that would be in the very presence of God as it was being brought through the city. And that they would tell their children and their grandchildren, like, I once stood in the presence of God because <laughs> that was just for the that was just for the high priest and David knew that and David loved the spirit of God he was he loved being with 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 God and he understood that and that's why he was out in front giving it everything and dancing with everything he had because he was like you don't understand what's happening here you don't understand the value of this so when his wife said to him like you look ridiculous, you're embarrassing me. He said, it was before the Lord that I danced and I will celebrate before the Lord and I will make myself even more undignified and contemptible than this. And I think that in our generation, um, especially now we need people that are actually gonna say, well, it's before the Lord that I live. It's before the Lord and I will make myself more undignified than this. And I love that to actually look at God and say, hey, I will do more than this. I will, you're it. I don't care about this. You're it. I'm a living sacrifice and I'm not going to be like, you can have all of me except for this, that, and that. That's off limits to you because it's embarrassing. You know? <laughs> and actually, we need people to say, I'm going to live like this no matter how I'm classified by other people. Um, and <laughs> what I love about David, I think... Um, I think David, David was obviously very creative and I think he had a very strong right brain process and I'll tell you why. If you look at his upbringing where he was, he was in nature with his sheep for so, so long. He had a harp out there and what did he do? He spent time with God. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he wasn't in school. He, was, he wasn't even brought in when, when um, all his brothers were lined up to look to, to, to be the next king of... Israel, he was out with the sheep, he was a shepherd, but he spent so much time in the presence of God. He had such a value for God. David really knew God in a real relationship way because that was who he spoke to, that was who he spent time with. Um, and I think that you can see this with David and Goliath 
because what happened was the whole of Israel, like the whole army, was encamped on one side, Philistines on the other side, and they were, the Israelites were terrified. And when David came up, he had a completely different perspective. So the, um, the Israelites were thinking about like army strategies and realistic ways to conquer Goliath. And there were none. They were looking at it like, this is like, we can't, it's going to be, this is logically absolutely impossible. But David's perspective was, he came in um, and he was like, who is this Philistine who, who um, challenges the armies of the living God? Because instead of seeing realistic ways, he saw, he saw God versus Goliath, not us versus Goliath. And what they needed was they needed to know a supernatural God, the living God, that I know you, you're a person, I've encountered you on a deeper level, God. And David didn't see Goliath and the problems he had to get around. He looked at the situation and he saw the God that he knew and he realized that Goliath was no match for that. And I just think that sometimes in our lives, we're so busy trying to find the strategies and the realistic ways to overcome a problem where actually all that we need to do is we need to learn to engage and know our God because that gives us a completely different perspective. Um, so one of the reasons why I think we worship and why we start church with praise and worship, it's not just like a little clicky-clacky, like woo-hoo-hoo thing. It's actually because we enter his gate and we start with a sacrifice and you say, this is all of me. This is my mind. This is my heart. This is my body. I'm just giving it all to you and I'm going to make it as big because you're worth it. And then after that, we're singing, we're dancing, we're connecting, we're praying, we're literally getting into that place of relationship with God. And that actually breaks through so that for the rest of your time, you're connected with the Lord and he can teach you things and speak to you and do things. So it's not random. It's not just something. It's a really powerful tool. And I think it's one that we're going to need. And I think it's something that is going to usher in this next move of the Spirit. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit nigeldebbie.org.